Publisher Podcast, Episode 104. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been, and I felt what you're feeling, and I don't want to get in your way. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Publish Her Podcast. I'm going to try so hard not to just have the best time in this recording today because I think we have the potential for a lot of good times. And when you hear about Amy, you will understand why. She's kind of a, a, a kindred spirit, if you will, in the writing world. So let's talk about who Amy is. Amy Tector spent more than, and I did I pronounce that correctly? I should have asked that first. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. So Amy Tector has spent more than 20 years plumbing the secrets scrolled away in archives, whether it's uncovering a whale's ear, true story, in a box of old photographs, or working in The Hague for the United Nations International Criminal Tribunal Tribunal for War Crimes in the former Yugoslavia, which sounds like one of the most fascinating things I can ever even imagine doing. Um, she has been privy to hidden records and extraordinary secrets. She now works at Canada's National Archives Library and Archives Canada and is adjunct professor at the University of Ottawa and a sessional instructor at Carleton University. Her debut no- novel, The Honey Bee Emeralds, was published in spring 2022 also set in Paris. So anyone who is a fan of this podcast might automatically understand why that is a big attractor to me. Um, Her second novel, The Foulest Things, is the first in a loose trilogy centered on murders and mayhem in the archives. It will be published in autumn of 2022. Amy has a PhD in English literature from the Université Libre de Bruxelles and lives in Ottawa, Canada, with a daughter named Violet, a husband named Andrew, and a dog named Daffodil. She is an enthusiastic but incompetent cross-country skier. (laughs) Welcome. I mean... New best friend right here. Like, just, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. And oh man, so many things to talk about. Um, well, thank you for being here and, and bringing your knowledge and background and expertise. Delighted to be here, Alexa. Thank you so much. All right. So we're going to what we're talking about today, y'all, because we could dig into all kinds of different things. First, first of all, I think I need to um, have another session with you just off the record, just to talk about all that war tribunal stuff, because that is just fascinating to me. But um, we are going to talk about archives and using archives as a writer in your research and and how it can help you create these stories. And as you can see, or as you heard from the titles that we talked about that Amy's written, you can write some pretty, if you're like well, archives, Snorefest, um, clearly you can have some fun with that. So first of all, for those in our audience who have no idea what an archives even is, um, because maybe not everybody's been researching, maybe not everybody's in this type of genre, can we just start there and explain what the archives are? Yes, and I love this question because I do know that it's people don't know what archives are, uh, and so I love being able to explain it. So thank you. Um, so lo- everyone knows what a library is. It's a it's a place where published books. Are, are held and made available to people. There's public libraries and there's research libraries, but we all, I think, have a good handle on that. Archives are like the <laughs> cooler, edgier cousin to a library. <laughs> if such a thing is possible. Library, I love libraries. Me too. Archives are the place 
where unpublished material gets stored and and um, oh. made it and so that's the big difference um if you think about a book whether it's fiction or nonfiction, it's got a subject you can catalog it you can describe that book super easily but if you think about someone's archives and we all Every one of us has our own archives and our archives is all the stuff that we create, all the documents that we create in the course of our life. So that's the photos that we take, it's our grocery receipts, it's the emails that we send, it's the, our journal entries, all of that is part of our archive. And it's not meant to be published. And it's really hard if you had to describe all the bits of paper, the little, you know, the sticky notes and the, and the emails that you've sent over your lifetime, it would be really hard to kind of say, what is this thing in a, in, in a way that it's much easier to say, what is this thing about a book? Because a book has a subject, but an archives is always goes back to who created it. Mm -hmm. um, and so archives, um, like public archives are places that have then collected records that were created, not with the intention of being published. And they can be private archives, which would be the archives of individual people or they can be government or organizational archives. So the archives, like you mentioned, when I worked for the United Nations, that was the archives that was created by that criminal tribunal in the course of doing their business. So it wasn't the, it wasn't the reports that they published, right. it was all the sort of the back and forth and the memos and the, and the things like that, that were created. And so archives, because it's, because archives are created without a view, without a long view of this is one day gonna be public, contain unexpected lots of unexpected things and lots of insight and I don't want to say secrets but but unexpected things um, are, are found in archives because they were never created with a purpose with a like you, you know with with an idea in mind they're created in the course of doing your living your life or an organization doing its business they create the archives so that becomes super interesting to historians to lawyers yeah. um to nosy writers yeah. uh, who want to catch glim real glimpses of the past the archives gives you that because it's not filtered it's the sort of unfiltered life and so um most countries have a national archives and then most states or provinces um, we'll have a provincial or a state archives. And then there's often local um, or smaller, more localized places like um, regions or museums, specific museums. And they'll have either manuscript collections, which are archives as well, or, or archives, public records offices. Those are archives as well. So most of, you, can, you can find your sort of local archives or the archives that you're interested in if you're a writer. Um, and then most of them allow researchers to come and do research. Yeah. Um, and so it can be a really great resource for writers. That is so cool. Um, so the, the first book that I published in Paris, it's just a, it's a fun little like romance, rom-com, you know, lighthearted, but I have been working on a more serious book, um, about World War II and female mm -hmm. spies in France and the resistance in World War II and the thought of using the archives never even crossed my mind. I mean, I spent some time in Paris trying to go through the, like the resistance museums and other things like that, but oh my gosh, you've just opened a whole new can of worms for me to <laughs> have another reason to go spend another, I don't know, I think this might mean you need like six months in Paris. What do you think? <laughs> I, think yeah, I, think <laughs> I, I think so too. I mean, I have to now cover the entire archives. So, so you have experience with, with researching in the archives, but you also write about books in archives right? right so 
I don't know which way you want to go here right now. If you want to talk about maybe like how you get started using the archives or anything like that, then we can talk about maybe naturally you can talk about how you use them in your own books or does that yeah. feel good? Okay. We'll yes, because it's not um it, it's not super obvious. It's not like marching into a public library and saying, I'm writing a book <laughs> on the French resistance, give me all your books on the French resistance, because yeah. that's pretty easy, right? Like the, the librarian will go and look, there'll be, you know, there's probably thousands of books on the French resistance. The library probably has 20 of them. They can order the other ones in. Look right. split, you're, you're doing your research. But if you want to do the primary material research, the prime which is like the, what I was talking about, that thing that was created in the moment without the sort of long view of capturing, you know, it was just, it was created incidentally, right. um, which is where you can get a lot of really great insight. Um, you, you, you need to have already done a fair bit of research in your topic. So the first thing that we always tell people who are like, oh, I wanna do research in the archives is first know your topic really well, That's because if you marched into an archives and said, all right, I'm, I'm doing French, you know, I'm doing the French resistance, second world war, they look at you and say, well, what do you want to see? Because you have to actually have a fair bit of knowledge of, of your topic to then figure out, well, where is the stuff? Because the whole point of an archives is it's unique. So there's not, if you go into the, the National Archives of Paris, the, you know, the National Archives of France versus the, the city archives of Paris, right. they'll have totally different stuff. Right. That won't be matched. So the first thing is to do some research in your topic so that you, you've got some understanding. Use the back of the book use those end notes if you're reading a if you're if you're reading a, a history book mm -hmm. they will have cited where they got the material and you'll see what archival institutions those historians consulted so that's your cheat sheet to figure out where the stuff is that you want to see so you'd read you'd read the little tiny <laughs> right. notes uh, and take note of where you think your material is and then you can go in and you can request to see that often you have to go in person because everyone thinks that everything has been digitized in an archives, but it often okay. isn't. Some, some of it is, so it's always worth going to the website first and seeing. Oh, even if the website says they have stuff in digital, I'm just going to say that it has to happen in person. Something thrilling, right? About like if you were reading about a, a spy and you and they had some of her correspondence, right? And you could right. actually touch the paper that yes. she touched as she yes. was writing her, her letter. That's like I still get thrilled at that. Like it, it's yes. the moment you are touching your subject, you were you are, you were touching the same paper as them. It's it's, it's amazing. So yeah, that uh, you know, so, seeing the sea stains yes. on the paper. Yes, it's so yeah. cool. So yeah. when you um, well, I mean, how did you how did you even get started in this particular? Like, what made you? Where where does it begin with you? Where did we begin <laughs> <laughs> on the whole archives and the and the books that you write that that utilize the archives and all of that? Yeah, I, I think it started when I was a kid and I loved reading, which then quickly became I love writing, mm -hmm. probably like a lot of your listeners. Um, so I was always a writer in my head. I always thought I'm, I'm going to be a writer, but um, I was also I'm also a very practical person. <laughs> <laughs> And all your courses <laughs> didn't exist yet. So I thought, well, we can make a living. Uh, and maybe that's going to be hard writing fiction. So I, I looked around for jobs that seemed to suit me. And the archives was super attractive because I am interested in history. Yes. But I didn't study history. I'm not a historian. Um, but it's it was that idea of what's in there. Like what kind of, you know, what kind of questions are people asking? And for many years, I was a reference archivist. So people would write in and say, hey, can you find me? I need 
this information about a bridge, or I need this information about this UFO landing, or I need this information about my grandpa. And so people were writing me questions that they had, and I was doing the research for them and then answering them. But it was also inspiring because it was so many stories, right? Like yes. you could write about the bridge collapse and you could write a story about the grandpa and the war and you could write a story about the UFOs. So um, it just, it, the, as soon as I started working in the archives, I realized, holy cow, you know, there's a trove. <laughs> can't, even, can't even begin to, to, to write all the stories that need to be written. So yeah. it really fed my creativity and has inspired all the stories I've written have had some kind of archival element to them because I just think it's it's such a cool place and so interesting. So let's talk about your books. Um, now, is the is the one set in Paris? Um, is that one also based on archives or something happening in the archives? So, um, it is. It's not quite as my my mystery series is called the Dominion Archives Mysteries. So they're okay. all like super set in the archives. Okay. Uh, Honey was the first one. And, um, and it's about four expat women in Paris who discover a beautiful uh, diamond and emerald necklace. And they, uh, and they try to figure out for various reasons where that thing came from. So they have to start doing research. They have to go to, they have to, go to a, a vineyard and they have to go to a fancy jewelry store and they have to go to archives. And they go to the beautiful um, Richelieu archives, which are like this, you can just go in as a tourist and it's stunning because it's this beautiful room with a giant dome over it and all the people doing their research. So they, they go and they start doing research on the provenance of where the necklace came from and they learn that it's had this really storied, important historical background where it was owned by Napoleon III's mistress and then it was owned by the spy Matahari and then um, Josephine Baker, who's the famous American jazz singer also owned it. I mean, it's all fictional. Wow. I've mentioned it all. Right, right. Discover in the course of their research. So they're tracking down letters and they're finding out the history and you, you get a bit of the history interspersed in these like contemporary women's lives living in Paris. Okay, this totally sounds like my kind of book and I will be purchasing a copy. And also, as we discussed, we're going to have to come up so, with some ways that we can uh, cross promote each other because I'm sure we have um, some similar audiences out there. But um, okay, so the other than the other books that are sent set in the archives they are it's actually a murder mystery in the archives so tell us how you how you set that up yeah well I, I like I was working in the archives and it was very inspiring and one day the first book the the sort of green of the whole thing started because I was in the art I was in a, one of the vaults and they have those they have those um they have that shelving, that's that movable shelving that you turn to maximize space so you can squish the shelves together and create an aisle. So I was in there doing something with the boxes and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be creepy if there was like a body squished? <laughs> yes, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> and it was creepy. And so that, that was the sort of start of the first book, which is about a young uh, new professional archivist woman who's like struggling to sort of get her career established and she's quite anxious and uh, worried about that and she she finds some letters actually uh, she she finds some letters in an old ledger she makes this discovery they're not supposed to be there so um, and she thinks that can help her career the letters so this is Paris again are actually um, letters written from Paris to Canada just at the start of the first world war of world war one oh. uh, and so those are in the those are in the story too so she 
my narrate, my, my protagonist, Jess, wants to figure out where these letters came from. That sends her to the vaults, to the art vault, where she discovers this body. And, if, and, the, and the body and the letters are connected. And so she's got a mystery to solve there. So that's the first one. Oh my gosh, the, they all sound really, really interesting and exciting. And I don't, I, I'm a history buff as well. I just, I love everything about history. Um, so I'm sitting here thinking now, how do I get a job? Because I need another <laughs> job. How do I get a job working in an, in an archives? Because that sounds so cool. Um, but I, I, I truly am. I'm excited. I can see that. I can see how using the archives for so many different stories. Like we've, we've got so many um, authors in our community who are either writing historical fiction or writing about something that would have some kind of element of history into it, being able to really dig into the archives to really make your story so much richer. And, um, yeah. But it is tricky. Like it's not. It, it's not as using archives usually isn't as user friendly as the library. <laughs> like, and it's important. Like I know people are like, oh, I'm going to use the archives, and then they go and there's like a there's different language that's used. Like it's a little. Yeah. It's a little, but it's not hard. And the thing is that most archives have what I was a reference archivist, who's someone who's there to help you do your research. And so that's that people shouldn't be shy, even if they go to the website any website and are kind of intimidated and can't quite figure it out. The stuff they want is probably there, but they might need someone to help them figure out how to access it. And so whatever archives they go to, they should find a person like a client service person, a reference archivist, a reference librarian, someone who can, who can help them at initially, because it can be intimidating and I don't want people to be intimidated. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it could be intimidating. Um, I mean, and just like so much content there to try and figure out. And like you said, knowing specifically what to ask, I was yeah. just running when you made that comment, I was thinking to myself, what I even know, I've done a lot of research on this topic. What I even know specifically what to ask at this point in time without doing a little bit more digging down into like, okay, this is what I'm really trying to I guess that would be another question. Like you kind of have to, you kind of have to have in mind, like, what are you trying to get from the archives to build into your story? Right. I would imagine you have to have that kind of idea. I think it's good to have like some specific things like, oh, you want to figure out this or this or this, but the joy of the archives, not to sound like a real nerd, is the <laughs> unexpected stuff. So like, you know, <laughs> through something and somebody, you're leafing through letters, deciphering that handwriting which can be super tricky and you know someone makes a casual reference to their pet you know their their pet dog spot and then you're like ah oh, I can put I can put this the dog spot into this story and that humanizes the historical figure that you're writing about or that yeah. you know they talk about how it was pouring rain that day and they the the streets flooded and you're like oh, oh yeah like I'm gonna put that tiny detail that I wouldn't have known about unless I had read the letter into the story and it's going to give it that much more heft and authenticity and you know and bring the readers it's those little things right that can really bring the reader in and so archives can give you those but they're not cattle they're not listed like right. this letter talks about how rainy it was right so you have to it's luck it's a little bit of it's a little bit of serendipity and kind of and, and luck which is which is but what yeah what, what great details to be able to add I mean we're always I know for me, I'm always like, how can I make this person more interesting? How can I make this day feel more like people are there? When you have those kinds of details, it does add so much to it. Well, yeah. I'm really excited. I'm really excited about trying to, the next time I'm over there, trying to find some time to find the archives, go in, see if I can get some stuff, look through stuff and just see what treasures I can discover. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That is a lot of fun. Well, um, obviously we need to talk more about how we can, um, you know, make sure that we're spending as much time in Paris as possible and doing things like that. But, um, but where can, I really want people, I, I would imagine you're, you want people to go get your books. And we talked about the honeybee emeralds and do, why don't you go ahead and say the names again and where people can go to find yeah. them and, and where we can find you to follow you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Honeybee Emeralds, that's the Paris one. Uh, and then there's two books out um, now uh, in the Dominion Archives Mystery Series, and a third will be coming. So the first is The Foulest Things. That came out in um, in uh, in the fall, and that's the squished in the vaults. <laughs> Dead body. Very, <laughs> very foul things, yes. <laughs> uh, and then the second one, Speak for the Dead, is out in March, and you can pre-order it now. So I'm very excited about that one. So that's um, another archival mystery one, and then there'll be a third one next year. Um, they are available anywhere books are sold. Public libraries are carrying them, you know, right. all Amazon, all the places, independent bookstores, if they don't have them, can order, will order it in for you. So if you, um, you know, you, you can get, you can get your hands on those. Um, I have a newsletter, uh, which, uh, where I make a, it's every two weeks and I make a recommendation and I try to be funny. I, I feel like it's a good <laughs> newsletter. <laughs> and then I do an article roundup and I have some, uh, and I do a tweet roundup. So if you're not on Twitter, but you want to see what you're missing, I find all the funny tweets and I do a TikTok roundup. Again, I was just TikTok. Sound fun. fun. So it's a, it's lighthearted, it's entertaining. I talk a little bit about writing, but mostly it's, uh, you know, whatever's on my mind. So um, people can sign up for that or they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Amy Tector. So uh, is, if you Google that, there's only one of me. So you'll find what's, me. What's the URL? I'll make sure it's in our show notes, but just for anybody who's now like, oh my gosh, I have to have this right now because she's funny. Is it amytector.com? That's my website. And then the okay. newsletter is amytector.substack.com. Oh, you're on Substack. Okay. That's something we should talk about sometime too. Oh yeah. Um, I've, I've been hearing about it, but I don't know a whole lot about Substack, but that's probably an entirely different conversation. <laughs> many different conversations we have to have, Alexa. I'm so happy with it. A lot. We're just going to have to meet regularly and discuss these things. Um, well, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This was really great information. I know I'm fired up about archives. I'm sure anybody else out there who willingly admits that they are a history nerd <laughs> will be thrilled by this. And then for those that don't identify as history nerds, it may at least be super excited that they have a new way to add interesting research into their writing. So yay. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, I'll be getting your books. I'm super excited. And, and we'll be talking soon about a retreat we're going to plan together, right? Yep. <laughs> Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be back to take you to Paris in 2024. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.